0: it's show day i totally forgot to talk about my cabo trip yesterday because jenny and i couldn't shut up about everything we were talking about i'm going to tell you about that tara schuster's here she's got an insanely fabulous new book so much to discuss so let's talk Let's talk with Heather Dubrow. Hey, everybody. It's here. It's official. We are officially Let's Talk. I told you I didn't want to have a facelift. So I gave one to the podcast. This is part of a bigger evolution of the podcast and my connectivity with all of you. This has been a long time coming and I'm really, really excited about it because, you know, over the last many years, I've been talking to you, sometimes talking at you, near you. You will message me. I will try to respond. But now we're going to have deeper conversations. We are going to have more interactive conversations. You're going to get more of the content that you've been asking me for privately and on the podcast. Yesterday, we did not cover Cabo at all. So I promise I am going to give you the lowdown on Cabo. But I also want to tell you, go to my Instagram, which is right now the place to get all the information. Soon, you'll be able to go to Heatherdubro.com. But for right now, go to my Instagram and click on the link in bio, and you're going to be able to get to the digital version of Let's Talk. Let's Consider it sort of like the HD handbook, okay? Where you're gonna see what I'm doing, where I'm going, what I'm obsessed with, with links and easy ways to follow and comment and react and respond. So I can't wait to hear from you guys. All right, so here's the thing I went to Cabo. Yes, I did. So Terry and I, you know, it's funny. We, ever since we sold Chateau Bro, it's been kind of fun. Like we're teenagers. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? do are, you know, where are we staying in Orange County? Are we leaving Orange County? Where are the kids? You know, what are we doing? So right now, yes, we are staying in Orange County. However, I mean, someday, I guess we'll want to live somewhere else and look, some people go to Florida, some people go to the desert, some people go to other countries, and we're kind of just exploring and figuring out what our life looks like in the next five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. How does Idaho fit into all of it? So we're kind of like having some fun exploring. So we went to uh, Cabo last weekend, partially to keep sort of doing research about, you know, if we want to live there and where we'd We would park ourselves and also partially because Nikki was there on spring break. And we thought, well, that sounds fun. Let's go crash that. So we went to Cabo and we flew on Aero, which I feel like I've talked about before. It's like this shared private thing. And they catered their food from Air One. So if you've never heard of the Air one Market, it's been around forever, but it became really popular in the last couple of years, I think from Haley Bieber. I think she posted some smoothie from Air one and it kind of blew up. And it's so funny to me. Every time Nikki talks about hanging out somewhere in L.A., eating at a place, I was talking about the Big Chill where we always got the frozen yogurt and here and there, he loves Air one And for Christmas, one of his presents was I gave him, it's like a club card, you know, you know, Ralph's has a club card or Gristidi's or, you know, any of the, the supermarkets. So Air One has this like club card where you get a free drink per week and and discounts on things. So that was one of his Christmas presents. Anyway, so they cater from Air One on the aeroplane and it's so good. And I was like sitting there, I got this salad and it was like this bulgur rice and it was pickled something and... Oh, it was so delicious. Anyway, I was having these total flashbacks. Erwan was the first kind of health food store that I ever went into in L.A. And it was the first place I saw bulk food that was not unhealthy. You know, usually bulk food was M&Ms or candy and that kind of thing. But they would have um, dried pineapple in bulk, but not like the kind that you really want to eat with the sugar all over it that's a gazillion calories and uh, and delicious, but the real organic, just like they put it in the in the in the fruit dryer dehydration system, and that 's what came out not as delicious but probably healthier. But I remember going in there with my sister, and it had that smell that health food store smell that I feel like you could still get if you walk into a mother 's market, but it had that smell that I was not familiar with me, and my sister was a vegetarian, and that was the only market that carried those beginning, you know, meat substitutes. And to be honest with you, I mean, now the meat substitutes are amazingly good at the time. Oy, not good. Oh, the fake meat and the fake bacon and the fake chicken. Oh, it was so bad. And it smells. Anyway, she would buy all that stuff from marijuana. But my two favorite things was the The rice and steamed vegetables with the tahini dressing, but I would get like four things of tahini dressing, which probably turned it into, you know, I might as well have gotten a burger and fries. And then the other thing was they had this pinwheel sandwich that was turkey and cream cheese and tomatoes and lavash with spaghetti on the side. Why I thought this was dietetic, not really sure, but it was really, really good. Anyway, so we flew on Arrow and they had the awesome Erwan food and they had champs, and they had you know the good champs, not limo champs, and the whole thing. And Jessa was our flight attendant, and on the way there, and Garrett on the way back. So nice, everyone's so nice. And you know what's? I mean, there is like sixteen seats on the plane. I think there were six of us. It was amazing. Had the best time. Such a great flight. Anyway, so we stayed at Zadoun, and we there is this one particular room that we always stay in and when we got there there was a big event going on for Mercedes so they upgraded us to this two bedroom suite which was oh my I didn't even I, I thought we had the nicest suite this was even I, I mean unbelievably gorgeous limestone floors and and doors that completely pocketed open and a pool and a hammock and a beach and the whole thing just really really amazing so we check in there and I mean So unbelievable, so beautiful, and we basically spent the weekend, we looked at houses, we hung out in the pool, we toured around a little bit, and we got to hang out with Nikki. So the first night we were there... um, we went to Chamboa, which I've talked about before. But what was really fun is we went with Nikki and his friends and one of his friend's parents who we've met before. And we had the greatest group. And it's just this incredible restaurant. And by the way, I, I, I'm going to dive more into um, this place in the um, newsletter. So if you want to go get the Let's Talk newsletter, which I'm considering the HD handbook, you can go check that out. Go to my Instagram Instagram. And I'm I'm going to link the restaurant and I'm going to put up some videos and photos of it and everything. So go sign up now and that'll go live next week. And I'll remind you about it, but go sign up now just so you do it. Um, and it's free. But we went to this really cool restaurant with all of them and we had a late night. I'm not going to lie. We were out to like 1.30 in the morning. I was like, okay, we're not creaking. This is good. And then the next day we went um, and we looked at different homes and I'm going to be posting some real estate porn on that newsletter as well. If you want to go check that out, I'll take you on a house tour of a couple places we saw. I want to hear what you guys think as we continue our search. And um, then we had an incredibly long lunch and ended up having the most incredible spa treatments at the spa there, which, you know, I love. And then, you know, we decided we did something different. We didn't go out. We kind of hung in the room and we ordered in food and a bottle of wine and got in our sweats in this gorgeous suite and sat at the dining room table. And so usually we would have played backgammon, but for the first time ever, I forgot my travel backgammon set. So, you know, we played Battleship on our phones with a bottle of French white burgundy. And I want to tell you, it was epic. So good. And then, um, the next day, Nikki and his friends came over and they hung out in the pool and all this stuff. But what was so crazy was, oh, and, well, first of all, we hung out in the pool. Nikki and his friends came over. One day we went for a run. We went for a beach walk. All we did all these different things. And then what was crazy was there's paparazzi photos of this everywhere. They have us at the pool. They have us one day at the beach over here, another day at the um, having lunch somewhere else. And there's all these pictures of us, me hugging my son, Terry and I walking on the beach with a dog that they said was our dog, which, by the way, was not our dog. It was just a random dog that came over to say hi to us, which was very nice. There was another caption that said, Heather and Terry laughing at something on their phones because I couldn't connect. To my Spotify with my (laughs) I couldn't get my earphones to connect to my Bluetooth so I could listen to my running playlist. That's what we were looking at. But anyway, the the photos are kind of cute and the caption was great, said I looked good in my bathing suit. Thank you. Very kind of you. But here's what I want to know. Where were the cameras? Where was the paparazzi? We were on the sand, sort of raised up. The two places next to us were next to us, not in front of us. But I did notice there were some there were a couple of boats out in the water. This is what I'm assuming. Let's be perfectly honest. There was someone way more famous and important than us staying at the hotel, but they got us. And I think, I think they had to settle for us, and that was it. I think that's what happened. But I thought it was mildly hilarious. But here's – I got to tell you guys something. So <sighs> – I saw those pictures that they posted of us. And one of the days, you know, I'm in a black bikini and I got like a sarong on. And that was the day Nikki and his friends were hanging out with us. And then they left. And not to be TMI, but TBH, I may have taken my swimsuit off and done a little skinny dipping because no one could see us. And I remember Terry saying, really? And I was like, I'm in the pool. It's not like I'm walking around. So all I'm asking is, paparazzi person... If you have any of those photos, let's just keep those to ourselves, shall we? Let's just squash those. I don't think anyone needs to see that. And noted, not skinny dipping anymore. Long lens. Hashtag long lens. Noted. Got it. Thank you. But they were flattering pictures. They didn't look horrible. I looked at the pictures like, okay, I've looked better in the bikini. I've looked worse in the bikini, but thank you. And I do like that there's a cute picture of me hugging Nikki thought that was adorable. Um, anyway, so there's my paparazzi story. Very amusing, uh, to me anyway. And, um, we spent our last day there sort of, we slept in and we lounged about and we, um, had a long leisurely lunch. And then we flew home with my Air One late lunch, early dinner and we got home and saw the kids and I was happy to be home. And it was like a really nice needed getaway. And I have to say, it's so nice that Nikki likes being with us and and that it's not, you know, he was the one that was like, hey, uh, I'm going to go to Cabo for spring break if you guys want to meet up with us. And you know what? I love that I have a relationship like that with my kids. It's really, really special. And I love that we love being together, but also, you know, go do your thing, man. Dad and I are good. <laughs> anyway, it was a great trip. We had a great time. Thank you, Zadoon. I mean, they didn't like compass or anything. I'm just saying like, thanks, because the service is amazing. I'll put a link for Zadoon and the restaurant I like and uh, show you some real estate porn and all of that on the newsletter. So go to my Instagram and link. Check, click the link on the bio, and it'll show you how to get to Let's Talk, the newsletter. Okay? All right. Awesome. I, you know what? I'm so excited. Tara Schuster is here today. She's been on the show before with her first book, By Yourself the Fucking Lilies, and it was amazing. She has got an incredible, incredible new book out called Glow in the Fucking Dark. She is such a cool person and such a bright light and someone that I'm so happy that is someone that started as, you know, a podcast guest that's become an Instagram texting friend that now I'm going to get to hug in person and see more often. So this is really cool. And if you didn't hear her first show, you can go back and listen to that. But stay tuned because Tara Schuster is coming up next. Let's Talk is brought to you by Cerebral. Cerebral is a 100% online mental health service that offers therapy, medication management for anxiety, depression, insomnia, stress, burnout, and more. It's 100% online. You take a brief questionnaire and get matched to a care team based off your needs and preferences. Through the Cerebral app, you can schedule your sessions, get your questions answered, and access additional mental health resources. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides medication management online through a licensed provider if clinically indicated. Connect with your therapist on your own schedule through your laptop or the Cerebral mobile app. Affordable treatments that are one-third of the price of traditional therapies. Cerebral understands that finding a therapist isn't a linear journey. If your therapist isn't a match, Cerebral will help you find a provider that meets your needs. Our listeners will receive 50% or more off your first month of therapy by going to Cerebral.com slash Heather. That's Cerebral.com slash Heather for 50% or more off your first month of therapy. For quality mental health Healthcare that's accessible and affordable, join Cerebral today. Do you know the average person has around 12 paid subscriptions? Think about that. If you think you're only subscribed to a handful of services, you might want to double check. With Rocket Money, you can quickly identify and cancel all of your unwanted subscriptions. You guys, this is so me, just so you know. I always have the $1.99, $2.99. I'm like, ugh, I gotta call them. I gotta figure it out. It's a hassle. Forget it. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. All in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions that they have forgotten about, like that streaming service you bought to watch just one show on. For me, it's like any kind of, like, virus protection software. I have them all! I still get viruses! I gotta cancel them! Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. You could do a lot with that, right? Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com heather. That's rocketmoney.com slash Heather. Rocketmoney.com slash Heather. Please welcome Comedy Central executive turned mental health advocate, best-selling author, ridiculously amazing author. Please welcome Tara Schuster. Oh, thank you for having me, Heather. I'm so glad we're finally meeting in person. It's so funny. We saw each other and we started hugging because we met during the pandemic yes. with your first book by yourself the fucking lilies exactly and i loved it and i fell in love with you and you made me journal
1: and we, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we exactly did, we did the whole thing <laughs> and so and now i see you in person i know it's like a joyous reunion i feel like i know you and then I'm like, oh, 3D, Heather. <laughs> yeah, here we are. Yeah, exactly. And it's so funny because, you know, when you follow people on
0: social media, yeah. you learn so much about them. And like you walked in, you had the Chanel, Chanel bag on. I'm like, oh, is that the – and I'd only, I only saw the strap. I didn't see the purse because she was wearing it crossbody. I go – Oh,
1: is that the Chanel person? She goes, it's a Chanel person. <laughs> <laughs> they now have friends. Yes. I love I'm, it. I'm now the type of person, a big thing in by Yourself the fucking Lilies is I wanted to be the kind of person who saved up for and then bought a Chanel bag in Chanel's original store and I did it and that's like the vic- victory laugh of the end of that book and then I was back and I was like you know what? She needs a friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's lonely because I'm too afraid to take her out of her dust cover and wear her. Well, I know. But that's the thing is that you have to, it's like, you know,
0: they say drink your wine. Right. It's like you've, you've got to wear your things. I'm or trying. Why have them? It's a hard thing to do, but you really have to do it. And it's funny because like my husband is not materialistic at all. Well, I mean, I guess I should have said he likes big houses. But besides that, he's not into cars. He's not really into watches anymore. Like, he's just not yeah. into that kind of thing. So he doesn't understand why I like those things.
1: Huh. I mean, I think to each their own, right? Like, yeah. Like, my dad growing up didn't understand why I wanted a Kate Spade bag so badly. That was, like, the status symbol right. on the bar and bat mitzvah circuit. And he was like, I don't get it. And at the time, they must have been, like, $100. Right. But that was a lot of money. Um, Obscene amount of money to him and he never understood my love of purses until he read the book. And then he was like, oh, "Oh, I get it. I see. Well, I think with Terry,
0: I think he, like, he always jokes, you know, um, he'll pick up a piece of garbage and and say, throw some Chanel C's on it. It's fabulous. (laughs) And so I understand, like, he thinks, and maybe your dad did too, that, you know, it's for status or you want to feel like you're all this and or you're just conforming to some idea of what's great or whatever. But I'm telling you, like, if I saw something – from Chanel or Fendi or wherever, and it, and I didn't like it or it looked cheap, it, that would not um, no. entice me to buy it just because it was a label. I actually go in the other direction.
1: Mean, meaning if you see something that's beautiful but it's not. Yeah,
0: like I'm about construction and detail yes. and all of that thing. So yes. I could go into Zara and find a gorgeous coat with beautiful lines. I'm just as excited. I totally agree. And if I go into a high-end store and it's – like to me – when I see something, there's a price in my head that it's worth. And if it's worth that, I'm not interested.
1: Yeah, what, what I love to do is to really covet something for a long time and save up for it and think about it and make it into some event. Like when I bought this bag, they served us champagne, you know, and because it's more than a bag, it's an amulet, right? It's something I have put meaning in. It's a milestone of I had uh, this was right before By Yourself the F***ing Lilies came out and I was in Paris with one of my best friends. So this bag represents like reparenting myself, becoming the adult I wanted to be, having a stable, steady job, savings. It It's more than a bag. It really is almost um, like a talisman yeah. or, or, or a piece of good luck, a charm. I totally get
0: that. My first job ever – this is how old I am – Was they hired me to be an actress when I was 17, and it was a series of film strips (laughs) – film strips (laughs) – and videos about note-taking outlining skills. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It really – it's not. But but they hired me to, like, be the funny – you know, uh, it was like they would show me if you take the wrong steps, it doesn't work out. So they would have me changing the tire on a car and so at first the car rolls away because oh. I didn't follow the outline, right? <laughs> so then I went back and I followed the outline and changed the tire on the car, all this kind of thing. So they, I got the money and I said to my parents, I'm like, can I spend it? And they were like, yeah, you earned it. You can spend it. I said, great. So you know what I bought? What? I bought a Chanel because I coveted Chanel. I coveted yes. it. I just used to look at it in the magazines yes. and, and all of that. And I bought, it was like this classic... Kind of like the chain of your bag, but like thicker, the leather and the and the chain mm-hmm. belt, and Ooh. hanging off of it was a tiny little belt bag. Oh, gorgeous!
1: I that's, still I still have it. Um, that's incredible, and that is probably worth like fifty times what it was worth when you bought it.
0: I don't know, but I just know it, I still wear it sometimes. It looks good. It and it just like it. It's like a symbol of yeah. that. It's like I remember I did that thing. It was my first yeah. paid professional job. Totally. And that's what
1: that means to me. I love stuff like that. Me too.
0: But I'm also bad with that because sometimes I'll buy things and not wear them and just put them on the shelf because I like to look at them.
1: Yeah. Or it's like for my big bag, I'm just afraid it'll get messed up. So I'm just very protective, but I'm learning to enjoy the things I have rather than keeping them in a closet, being like, oh no, it's going to get destroyed the first time I take it out. No, you got to wear it. Got to wear it. Wear it until it dies and then you'll get another one. Exactly. Exactly. There's more in the universe. It's like complete, complete scarcity to be like oh, no, this thing that I love is going to get ruined the second I take it out, as if I could never get another bag again or as if that would be a total disaster instead of just like, oh, well, that happened. Yeah. And there
0: these- <laughs> so I have to tell you, after we met and after reading um, By Yourself the F***ing Lilies, I have often thought about you and often thought about the idea of reparenting mm. because I think it is such a profoundly important message that, you know, we can all fix ourselves and we're all going to be okay. Yeah. That it really it's it it struck me and and I thought god she like poured her heart and soul into this book and then like I felt like 5 minutes later I watched you starting to write glow in the fucking dark and I was like this is very interesting. Yeah. I can't wait to read this because you know here I'm looking at you and I'm following your journey and you're celebrating the book. Book did great. Uh, working on Comedy Central, huge job, female, Comedy Central, yeah, big deal, right? And and weird. And tell me what happened and why? Why did this book happen?
1: Yeah. So after buy yourself the <laughs> lilies, I'm on a good enough plateau. Things are. I don't have the exact life I want, but oh my god, am I so different than my neglected, psychologically abusive childhood and the anxiety and depression that came with that? So I felt pretty good. And then with basically no ceremony, I was just laid off in the pandemic. Beginning of the pandemic, just swoop. And this was a huge problem because my job was my identity. I, yeah.
0: Well, yeah. pause there for yeah, a second please. because I know when I read that, I was like thinking about it. And it and it's true because it's like once an, – and I know this is true for all professions and especially when you're young and you get the real job. But yeah. especially in Hollywood, yes. getting a job is so few and far between and to get a – a, an amazing job like that and especially as a writer, as yeah. a woman, how many other female writers were there?
1: I don't it it's not great.
0: <laughs> okay. It's not great. Not, not great. Not so great. the odds yeah. and the talent and the timing, luck, talent, all of that intersecting to get this. And you were there for how long? A third of my life. A third of your life like to have that twelve ish years. <laughs> To have that pulled out from under you like that, I mean, that it that was your identity. That Absolutely. is who you are.
1: Because that's the thing, like, you lead with that, right? Oh, yeah. So when people in- would introduce me, they'd say, Tara Schuster, Comedy Central. Like, it was my married last name. Like, <laughs> legitimately, I was fused to that job. I had grown up in that job. It was the only thing, the only place I ever worked, by the way. First and last job. Really? <laughs> no yeah, waitress? So nothing? Nope. Just straight from internship at The Daily Show with Jon Stewart and then climbed the ladder through various departments to become uh, VP wow. of talent development where I like ran shows. And that those were the people I knew. That's where I hung out. And so once the job was just taken away from me, I had the question, who am I? Who is essential me? I've obviously overinvested my time, my spirituality, my everything to this job. I've given it everything. And now I see, oh, it could just go away um, in an instant. And so, you know, and it had really become a magic trick because I felt so ashamed of my childhood. I felt like this job was glittery and glamorous and Hollywood. And aren't you jealous of – you might have had a perfect childhood, but aren't you jealous of, like, how far I've climbed? Yep. So it was a complete distraction to – to myself included, to say, look over here at the shiny thing, not at 25 years of complex trauma, which I had been avoiding. And now that the job was gone, all my darkest traumas came just surging to the top. And I think it's actually because I had done all of the work in lilies. Like I was stable and healthy enough to deal with these darker things. That's so interesting. We were talking yesterday on the show about
0: I'm trying ketamine. Oh interesting yes. we could talk about that yes later. but I'm trying ketamine I have anxiety mm. um, but I was saying that the way it was told told to me about people who have like PTSD yeah. is that those kinds of therapies are
1: really helpful because it reframes the memory absolutely yes I I started a totally different kind of therapy I started EMDR which is a Like you go back to the trauma and heal that, not the story surrounding it. Hmm. But I didn't do any of this when I got laid off. Instead, I decided I'm going to hustle. I'm going to hustle my way out of this. I'm going to find meaning. What was the biggest thing going on? It was the 2020 election. So I just Googled, how can I help in the 2020 election? And because I live in LA, the first search result was basically, you can register voters in Arizona just like that. I picked up the Vitamix. (laughs) I was like, we are moving to Arizona. What did your dad say? I wasn't talking to my dad Ah. at that point. I wasn't talking to my mom. I wasn't talking to my dad. My sister lives. She's a doctor and did not live here. I was alone um, and I couldn't stand that. So I thought, I'll move to Arizona. This will fix all my problems. I'm on the road to Arizona and I start to have the worst dissociative episode of my life. Which is, you know, basically your mind is trying to flee reality, but what it does is it makes you your full body sick. So I can, you know, I could see my hands on the steering wheel, I could see my shoddy, self done manicure, but they didn't look like they were mine. They they were like completely detached from my body. I started to feel like all of my insides were going to come out. I was speeding at, you know, 95 miles an hour in the Mojave Desert. And if you know me, I'm not a good enough driver to do that. (laughs) And I realized I got to pull over. Yeah. I got to stop. I cannot overwhelm my way through life. I cannot overwhelm my way through healing. This doesn't work. My soul, it feels like sandpaper on my soul. So I pulled over and it was nighttime. And because I was in the desert – The stars just look like a star field. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe to people who live there, they're like, yeah, it's normal. In L.A., like, you see something like pollution. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. You're like, I think that's a star. And then someone's like, that's a satellite. (laughs) That's something else. That's southwest. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I was just, like, surrounded by this glitter, and I looked up at the stars, and I just wondered, it is so dark out here, and yet those stars are glowing. Can I do that? Can I be in a bleak situation, which I was in, and still find a place to shine? And one of the big reasons I thought about that was, you know, we are made of stardust, not in a cutesy, Etsy, um, embroidered pillow way. (laughs) In a, the uh, carbon in your muscles, the iron in your blood is Friggin' stardust. Yes. It is from stars. So even though I think I'm totally messed up and irredeemable and not enough, actually, I am because I have stardust in me. And what do we say about stars? We're never like, oh, stars are not enough. Not like stars didn't no, finish their to-do for list. shoot the stars. Yes. That's, it's the, it's the, the top point. Yes. It's the pinnacle. We all ki- We all agree when we don't agree on anything else that stars are awesome. Yeah. And so for me, that's what this whole journey has been about, is honoring that I was given something miraculous and amazing, and all I need to do is pull it out. You know, it's all these other things happen to us, these traumas, these problems, but that's sort of a shell around us. Mm -hmm. You know, the stardust self cannot be messed with, cannot be broken, cannot be – it's always there. Um, And so this was really about how do I get back to that? and let it shine.
0: There is nothing worse than going to a doctor's appointment, expecting to be the center of attention, and then your doctor seems like they have better things to do and better places to be with their hand on the door. Instead of listening to you intently, asking you how you feel and helping you along, the doctor is checking the clock. Okay, guys, go to ZocDoc. You're going to find quality doctors who focus on you, listen to you, and prioritize your care. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient reviewed, take your insurance and are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. When you're not feeling your best and just trying to hold it together, finding great care shouldn't take up all your energy. And that's where ZocDoc comes in. Using their free app that millions of users rely on, you can find the right doctor that meets your needs and fits your schedule. Book an appointment with a few taps in their app and start feeling better, faster with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com Heather and download the ZocDoc app for free. And then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available Within 24 hours. That's Z O C D O C dot com slash Heather. ZocDoc.com slash Heather. It's amazing. You know, there's so many there's so many pages that I dog eared, that I went through, that I wanted to go through, um, your charts. The way you lay things out for everyone is just so
1: digestible Thank and you. and great. Um, so how do people get started? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question. Um, I would say the very first thing I do is journal. That was I already had that journaling practice, as Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And that's just to get yourself on paper, you know, to get out of your head to have a little distance. But now that I've deepened my journaling practice, I've realized, know your emotions Notice and know your emotions because up to this point in my life, the only emotions I had were good, bad, happy, sad, tired, busy. You know, like to describe my whole life and and think about it. That's what most of us say on a daily basis about our lived experience. And so I was exposed by my therapist to an emotion wheel, which just gives you vocabulary. Yeah, exactly. Here's the emotion wheel. What am I feeling? Yeah, it's really important to know because – I would hazard to guess a lot of us don't know how we feel, and if we don't know how we feel, we don't know what to do about it. So let me ask you this. Yeah.
0: Do you think that there's a point where
1: we care too much about how we feel? I think – that's a really good question. I mean there's a difference between noticing – And fixating? Exactly. And what you, and the reason this is also important is you have to recognize you have many emotions. Mm-hmm. And so in one moment, you don't need to be overwhelmed by one. The whole, this whole practice is about emotional regulation. So let's say I'm super disappointed because this guy I liked doesn't like me. Okay, I notice that. I notice my feelings of loneliness. I take care of my feelings of loneliness. but it's not the only feeling. So I can label other feelings, and I'm joyous that my book is coming out. I'm so happy that my sister moved to L.A. I'm so grateful that my body works. It's about noticing all of it, and it's not toxic positivity. It's just noticing reality, that this one emotion at any given time isn't your whole life, even if it's terrible. Yeah, know? I
0: agree with that. I don't I don't really mind – I haven't heard that phrase, but I don't mind toxic positivity. I was um, – This morning, one of my kids was driving me a little insane and I had gone back into my bed for 15 minutes because I wanted to close my eyes and I do a gratitude thing in the morning. Oh, beautiful. So I try to do it before I get out of bed, but sometimes, you know, I get up like at 625, I got to wake kids up, I got to do the thing. Sometimes, you know, I don't get it done. So sometimes I might just pop back into bed for 10 (laughs) minutes after I wake everyone up and just like have my moment. Yeah. And I really do think
1: about what is good. Yes. In the world and what is good in my world. Absolutely. We ignore it. I mean, we know this based on what do you remember, when someone gives you a compliment or when they're critical of you? Right. You know,
0: you would think about the critical. It's just like social media. It's the same thing. But I do find, like, I think that there are a lot of – and I'm not judging other parents, everyone parent, you know, the way it's right for their children, but I do believe – in, I don't know if this is exactly what I mean to say, but like in the sort of in the er- in the era of everyone gets a trophy, in the like let's talk about everyone's feelings mm-hmm. and let's make sure everyone's feelings are okay. I I personally believe it can push you into fixating on those feelings as opposed to what you're saying, which is like a redirection.
1: Yeah, and including everything and not All, getting the rainbow fixated. of emotions. Yes, exactly, that your life is actually very big and you have a lot of space within you to contain a million emotions at once. It's like a salted caramel brownie. Tell me more.
0: What I'm saying is it didn't used to be a thing salty and sweet. Oh. You had the salty – Or you had the sweet. Oh, interesting. But now... Both and. Both (laughs) and. Although I did date a guy who put like the milk duds in the popcorn, which I thought was super weird. He was ahead of his time. But I do think it's a metaphor for life because you want that layered experience that's a little salty, it's a little sweet, it's a little chewy, it's a little crumbly, like that kind of thing is exactly what you're preaching.
1: Yes. And actually, my own gratitude practice, I now call grief and gratitude. On the same list, I put all of the terrible things that I'm dealing with and all of the things I'm grateful for. Okay. I merge these two because it's it's never really one or the other, Mm -hmm. right? It's always this range, this salty and sweet, this much bigger picture. And so I want to focus on – I don't want to fixate. I want to live in reality. Yes. (laughs) All right. But my husband would say this because, all right,
0: I think we're all different and we all process differently and we have our own ways of getting through things. But my husband will like – like I need to vent. Mm -hmm. I'm a venter. And so I feel like I – when you say that, I, I hear that. The grief and gratitude makes sense to me because it is a little bit of everything and you've got to kind of balance it. He's not like that. This could be a Mars-Venus thing, though. Yeah. I'm not really sure. This could be a guy-girl thing. But for him, it's like, I don't
1: think about that because I don't want that to happen. I, I think I want to focus on that. I feel like it's a guy thing. Yeah. could okay. Just moving on. I mean, and guys in our society taught from so early, don't feel – you have to be strong. Don't cry. No wonder – <laughs> like, they have no. They want. They don't want to deal with it. Yeah, it's I wouldn't so either. And they don't have the skills. Like they literally, nobody taught them how to do any of this. Barely any of the women have been taught. That's for sure. I certainly wasn't. taught. Yeah, me neither. You have all. to
0: learn it. No, it is a learned skill. I agree with that. And by the way, something that I laughed my ass off about was about. The journal, if you're afraid of losing it, hide it. Because, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but I I told you when we first met, I was like, I can't write a journal because I'm
1: writing it for whoever's picking it up. I think I do remember that. (laughs) Yeah. So many people are afraid of their journals being stolen or someone reading it. And I'm like, then don't tell anyone that you're journaling. Like, this is for you. Hide that. Put it somewhere really hidden. Um, this isn't like a public display of "Ooh, I'm journaling." Um, just make sure nobody finds it. I find that to be way easier than the alternative, which is not to journal because you're afraid. I my my next
0: incarnation was my handwriting was so bad you couldn't <laughs> have read it anyway. Perfect. But let me ask you this: Do you? All right. So every year on New Year's Eve, Terry and I—we've been doing this for like almost three decades—we write down. Um, what happened this past year. Smart. And then we beautiful. write down what we hope happens next year. And we take that one we put it in the safe. Oh, wow. Okay? The first year it was super boring because there was nothing to open. And then we <laughs> take the thing about the year-end review and we read them to each other. Wow. Because it's really interesting to hear what he remembers versus what I remember. And it's really nice and we sit down and we have this, you know, review of of all of that and, and, and what we need to work on, all that stuff. And then we open up what we hoped Happen to see if anything came true. It's really fun. It's very interesting. It's very cathartic. What I realized was I've been saving these. Oh wow! Over the years, so I have you know twenty-seven of these in you know memory boxes, and I recently decided that I'm shredding them. Oh, why? Why are you shredding them? I am shredding them because I don't think it's for anyone else to have, and whether. Terry and I were having a good year or a bad year or one of our kids was having a good year or a bad year. That's how we felt at that time. Yeah. And I don't think it's for public consumption, meaning the kids. I don't mm. think they need that information.
1: It's so interesting because when you said that to me, the first thing that popped up is, wow, you're a time traveler. Like, you can now go back 27 years in the in the past and, wow, as you continue to write them, It only deepens. So I've kept all my journals. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you reread them? Sometimes. And it's really, really helpful because Mm. I can go back to my first journal that I ever wrote and see, wow, have I made progress. Which is great. It's so helpful and I can have compassion for that version of me who suffered so much, who was such a mess. And then on on things like um, even decisions about what I want to do. If I write in a journal for three months that um, I don't really like my boyfriend and I don't really want to be in this and he annoyed me, if I go back and be like, what do I really think about this person? I've written it down. You know, I, I can't lie to myself yeah. if it's right there in front of me. I can find patterns. I can rem- remember back to birthdays, like beautiful details that have I've kind of forgotten. So for me, having all of them as sort of a written record um, has been really important and beautiful. And I don't know what I would do if I had kids or lived with a partner. I mean, I've got like shelves. On these. Yeah. No. I mean, that is that <laughs> yeah. is look, that is part of it.
0: I yeah. mean, with four kids, you know, I had to get rid of the trophies. I took pictures of everything, put them in a book. But I also think this is a personal thing. Like, I, what you say resonates with me, and I get that, and I and I understand wanting to go back and recount certain memories and things. I think part of like whatever my past trauma is is that. I got to a space in my life which was really healthy where I realized I'm not defined by my past or mm, things that happened to yes. me. So like I had a box. This is like along the same lines. I had a box and probably TMI, but I had a box of things from um, New York where I grew up. And we didn't have a ton of pictures because we had a flood and whatever. So a right. lot of things were ruined. But I had pictures from certain times in my life like as a teenager or a young 20s or college age. That when I would look at the photos, it would make me cringe. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like seeing them Mm -hmm. for different reasons. Some were emotional. Some were physical. Some were whatever. But I felt like I had to keep them for so many years because it was part of my history. And then one day I woke up and I thought, you know what's really great about being a functioning human right now? I don't have to look at anything. I yeah. don't – and that, and I don't need to. It's I'm not, not dealing with something. I
1: just – for me to feel happy, I don't want that out there. It's your choice. Yeah. I mean I think this whole book, Glow, is about emotional freedom. Yeah. At the end of the day, I just want to scream from the rooftops, you have agency. You have power. You can heal yourself and be Liberated from whatever trauma you've been through, because what I realized after writing Lilies was that my whole life was a reaction to trauma. Yes, I had all these beautiful rituals, and yes, I had all the stability, but you were why proactive. yeah, exactly. I was just playing emotional whack-a-mole. and yeah. so glow is all about making the life you actually want, the essential you busting through all of those problems and exactly what you're talking about. I don't want to be a slave to how I was treated. I didn't want trauma to be my story. In fact, I would like it – I don't want to talk about it. I would like to get to a point where I no longer talk about it because it's so healed. And the crazy thing is some of the things that I worked on and included in this book, they don't phase me at all anymore. is that, that interesting? Thought, yeah, things that I thought I could never heal. Oh, guess what? You can. Yeah. <laughs> You know? You can. Talk to me about self-compassion. Ooh, yes, yes. So I feel like self-compassion is one of those things you see on the wall of a yoga studio. Right. You know? And <laughs> you all love ourselves. And I'm like, <laughs> how? Like, what does this word even mean? And I didn't come to self-compassion until I found out about this therapy called Internal Family Systems, which was created by Dr. Richard Schwartz. And basically it says – we have all these parts within us. We're not just like one person ever. So if you've ever said um, about a decision, one part of me feels this way, the other part of me feels that way. Well, those are different voices within you. And it really made sense for me that I had all these different um, parts of me. And so there was one part of me that I just hated. I was so ashamed of and wanted to push it away. And it's my loneliness. Because when I grew up, I really was alone a lot of the time. And one of my first strongest memories is of wandering the streets of my neighborhood crying looking for an adult because I had been left alone. And I, I felt ashamed of that memory. You know, why wasn't anyone taking care of me? Why was I wandering in the streets? And it wasn't until I started to do the work of internal family systems that I realized, wait a minute, that little girl was so powerful Instead of playing with matches, instead of going to the pool that had no gate, I went and looked for safety and help. And the person who should be really ashamed is the adult who left me alone. And kind of reframing and realizing that trauma doesn't say something terrible about me. And the more I try to reject it, the worse it gets, the more ashamed I feel. So now I recognize my loneliness is why I'm sitting here with you. I wanted to tell stories. I wanted to connect with people, right. It's why I'm so involved in my synagogue. It's why I love meeting new people and hearing their stories. I love connection. Would I have had that had I not been lonely at one point? I don't know. you know So instead of looking at my loneliness as it's 100% bad. Um, you know, I, I don't want it in my life anymore. I now look at it as as a superpower. and because I really felt it, like, I really dealt with my loneliness. I went to the bottom of my soul to be with that little girl, you know, crying in the streets. I could feel her suffering, and that is where you get self-compassion. It's you feel the suffering that you actually felt, and then you feel moved to help that suffering. That, that's the definition of compassion. And once I could really, really feel, how bad would it be to be a five-year-old? I, I, in that moment, I... When I really thought about it, and I sometimes I use my friend's kids because I can't see myself. So my best friend, Fishy, I'll put her daughter, Maya, in this situation in my mind. How terrified would she have been? Oh, I know. If, I mean, she must have thought her life was ending. And if I can feel compassion for that and really feel how bad that was, I can feel it for myself. And that's how I came to self-compassion, which is you really have to go there. You really have to feel how bad it did feel. And then, you know, nurture those feelings and see what was beautiful about those feelings. And I I never thought I could feel self-compassion. Truly never, never, never. I thought that. Like that's such a big concept. I really can. And it's made me so much more compassionate towards everyone else because I know how bad those things feel. I didn't push them away. I didn't numb them away. I felt it, so I can feel it in others.
0: It's also so amazing to me because, and and loneliness is different than being alone, obviously. But whenever I look at you and I follow you for years now, it's you. I I am always very impressed by how good you are alone. Mm. Yeah, it's like really good. Like I, I'm not. Yeah, my my mother is really good at being alone. My one of my daughters is really good at being alone, but it's it's like it's a really
1: beautiful thing to be able to yeah. be alone and be happy and be good. It took a lot of work, yeah. particularly around um romance, you know, to be single and not fall into the narrative of everyone else is married and why am I not married and everyone else is having kids and they're on the timeline. Like it takes a lot of work, particularly in the society where women are mostly praised for getting married or having babies. Right. That's Basically, all of the celebrations, Mm -hmm. and not to feel um, cast away, or and not to feel not important by that fact, but to feel empowered that I'm on a journey, and there's no particular timeline, and to have a lot of faith in myself that all these other things I've achieved, why would romance and family be any different? I just I'm on my own timeline, but it took you know it took a lot of work to come to that place.
0: Yeah, and also I mean I mean. As we always say, I mean you have to be good within yourself before you can even meet the person
1: oh, that's yeah. right
0: for you, or else you're meeting the wrong person. Oh absolutely. And and I know from your book you've met some of the wrong <laughs> people. I was so horrified by that guy and when you were in the road and the hiking in oh, the dark, yes. and dying.
1: Nexium. <laughs>
0: oh yeah. my God. I was just freaking out. Um oh Uh, You talk about doom scrolling, which I also was like, this is my new favorite word. So um, explain what doom scrolling is and why we should not be doing that.
1: This is when you – this is when it particularly comes up for me. I wake up, I grab my cell phone, and I just start going through all the world issues and problems, and I'm so fixated on everything that's going to go wrong that I'm overwhelmed into inaction. I'm like, wow, I'm helpless. What am I going to do? And then I look at the time and I'm like, wow, it has been two hours. Yes. Two hours wasted that I'll never get back. And I did nothing to like fix any of these problems. I just felt terrible about them. So I really, first off, I don't keep my cell phone in my bedroom ever. And the first hour when I wake up, I absolutely don't pick up my phone. And I can tell a huge difference on the Like, truly, if you try it for, like, a week, you'll see there is a huge difference in how your day goes for the rest of the day. Because if you start with war, economy, people you're jealous of. I (laughs) mean,
0: where are we going from there? Yeah. What's the rest of your day going to look like?
1: it's true.
0: It's setting yourself up. That's why I always start with gratitude. I have to look at the phone in the morning, unfortunately. We all have different, you know. Yeah, with kids out of the state and all that. Totally. It's like – everyone, does anyone need me? Is there, okay, good. And then I put it down and then I
1: go, okay, here we go. Now it's the me time. As long as you're not going to let me see how bad the world is first. Oh, I've done that before,
0: (laughs) but I'm not anymore. Not after reading your book. So tell me about, I mean, it really is about defining your glow. I mean, you have to form good habits. You have to get into the right mindset. How do we do that? How do we form those habits? How do we
1: start? How do we start? Well, we admit we have an issue. Yes. The very first thing is, wow, things are not going the way I had wanted them to. I don't feel good about myself, and that's okay. And I think that's paying attention to your life, You know, not numbing out, not being so busy that you can't even tell what's happening. That's why I think the labeling of emotions is so important because we're totally – many of us are totally disconnected from our emotional lives. So I would say – That's first and foremost, pay attention to your life. The next thing I'd say is be gentle. You know, I I think we're in this, you know, I go on the gram and they're like, 55 ways to self-help myself. Right. And everyone's aggressive about it. They're like, (laughs) help yourself. Yeah. It's like, who's going to win at healing? (laughs) You know, and like, if you aren't doing all these routines, are you really even caring about your self-help? And I'm just like, no, we get so beaten down by the world. We do not need to beat ourselves up for trying to help ourselves. So I'm really gentle with myself. I I, I didn't even realize how important it was. But you can't hate your way to health. You can't reject your way to self-acceptance. You actually have to do... Really nice things for yourself, and be soft with yourself. But to your point, you can't sit in a bubble bath and and yeah, think no. terrible things or no. scroll, you know, doom scroll. Yeah, it's you have to find a healing action. I'd say first thing, notice notice how you feel. Um, try not to shame yourself for how you feel. And I'd say the second thing is I talk to myself like I would like the ideal parent would talk to me. I put a hand on my heart and I go, it's okay, sweetheart. It's okay. You know, this thing blew up. You're going to be fine. Because when I grew up, I had no sense of safety whatsoever. My, you know, if anything, I was exposed to dangerous situations. If I was going um, to a restaurant at like the Third Street Promenade, one of the safest neighborhoods in the history of the world, my mom would say, watch out, you could get kidnapped or raped or murdered over and over and over again. And my house was a disaster. It was an open construction site for five years. You could see the plywood. Um, It was literally built on a shaky foundation that necessitated constant fixing. I never felt safe. And I didn't even realize that was a thing until I was camping in Zion alone, which all my friends said, oh, that's so brave. And I was like, it's not brave. Like, isn't this obvious? It never occurred to me that, Going on this solo. dangerous. Yeah. yeah. It never even occurred to me. So I'm in Zion. I'm getting takeout food. And there was this family. And there was a father talking to his sons. And he was saying, we're going canyoneering tomorrow. I don't know much about it. So, but So I hired somebody, an expert. He's done it hundreds of times. So even when you feel scared, you will be safe. You're safe. And I was like, mind blown. Whoa. Parents reassure their children that they're safe and make plans for their safety, I, I had no idea. And in that incident, like truly in that instant, it struck me, I need to build some safety for myself because it's really hard to dream or become the person you want to be or to be in a healthy relationship when you are 10 out of 10, anxious, scared in your body. Like if someone closed a trash can lid, like a tin one, I would startle like, a bear was behind me. My, yeah. There were such big reactions.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. And and your story is, you know, so heavy. Yeah. But I when I hear you talk about it, I can think of things in my life or things in my friends' lives that it's like I think as an adult in general, yes. when things aren't right, you don't feel safe. Yes. And it might not be from that childhood trauma totally. that you're talking about, but it's that out of control and that unsafe feeling that I'm going to lose my job, my money, my house, yes. my spouse, my child, something.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, it, it is unsafe in this world. Yeah. Look at the wars raging. I mean, if look at the past three years. The truth is, it's always going to be unsafe in the external world. Right. Like, no matter what any of us do. And so the question becomes, how do I build internal safety? Right. How do I build a place where I'm not threatened and I can really be myself? And I think really this whole book speaks to that. I'm giving you, like, as many rituals as I could have possibly tried to build a safe house within me. You know, I think a lot of us, um, we just think— Uh, Or we don't think. We lead a life where we're haunted by these memories or by things that are happening now. Push them away. Don't deal with them. Yeah. And we need to realize, oh, we don't need to live in a graveyard. There are other places to live. There are other ways to see the world. And so if you find yourself completely bogged down, feeling like nothing is right, I feel unsafe, I'm just here to say there is another path. There is a road out of here. It's going to take so much work. <laughs> like I also don't want to I, I, – I feel like I'm the most depressing motivational speaker ever. <laughs> it's like, not easy. This is going to suck. And this, this is going to be a multi-year journey. It's going to be really, really hard. And I can guarantee you emotional freedom. I can guarantee it because I walked that path and I've met so many people. Forget about me. I have met so many people who have walked that path. And they're the kind of people that I'm thinking of um, Dr. Jennifer Freed, um, a friend of mine who lives in Santa Barbara. And you look at her and you feel her glow. You feel her warmth. You're like, oh, this is a woman who walked a different way, who found her freedom. And I think many of us have a friend like that where we're just like, wow, you've really like done it or even admire someone. Um, like for me, the writer Nora Ephron or Cheryl Strade, you know, we can find a model of how we want to be in the world. It's possible. It's completely possible. But it's not possible if we keep doing the same things over and over again. Doesn't work. Nope. What do you want people to know? What's your takeaway? What do you want people to take away from this book? Well, first off, just generally, you are worthy. If If that's the only thing I did on planet Earth was reminded people that you are worthwhile, you are worthy, just because you were born, just because you're here, you are enough, done. My life was pretty good. So you are worthy is the first thing. And the second thing is you have agency. You have power. Don't let the world grind you down and make you feel like you're helpless because you're not. And so start taking small actions, the smallest actions you possibly can, towards reclaiming your agency and your power. I love it. You're amazing.
0: The book is amazing. Glow in the dark. You've done it again. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. It's, it's, it's really, it's so, I'm just so happy for you. I'm so happy we got to meet in person. I know. Finally. Me too. Next time with champs. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I'm totally down.
1: (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) Tell everyone how to find the book and how to find you on social media. So book is anywhere books are sold. Target, Amazon, your local indie. Um, uh, find me, Tara Schuster, on Instagram. I also have a newsletter that you can sign up at tarashuster.com And that I really communicate with people. I read every single email I get sent and I try to respond to most. And it's where I'm like, it's like my lab. It's like where I'm working things out or where readers can tell me what they're working on. And we can, it's like weirdly a community. Like, it, I don't know. It just Isn't kind it of great, though. Yeah, it kind of sprung up and I realized wow, there are so many people who want healing. They just need to find each other. So taraschuster.com, big button that says newsletter. You just sign on up. I love it. Thank you so much. Continued success. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having
0: me. I told you she was awesome. She's amazing. You guys are amazing. I love hearing from you. I've probably explained this before, but our ratings are basically our reviews. So if you wouldn't mind, if you have a second, it would mean so much to me if you went to iTunes and left a five star review and say what you love about Let's Talk. And what you want to hear more of and what you're responding to. And also, go to my Instagram and go click on the link for my newsletter, also called Let's Talk, the newsletter, so that you can get more details and you can get the links and and to the restaurants and the stories and the products I'm obsessed with. And there's a section for comments and emails. I want to hear from you. I want to talk to you. I want to continue growing our community. Thank you guys so much for the support of me and of my family. It's so appreciated, more than you know. Thank you guys so much, and we will see you next week.
1: Lola and I'm Megan and we're the hosts of Trust Me, cults, extreme belief and manipulation. We both have childhood cult experiences and we're here to debunk the myths about people who join them and show that anyone can be manipulated. Our past interviews include survivors and former members of the Manson family, Nexium, MS13, Teal Swan, Heaven's Gate, Children of God and the Branch Davidians. Join us every week as we help you spot the red flags. Get new episodes of Trust Me every Wednesday on Podcast One or wherever you get your podcasts.